Hello and welcome back to Political Division Reenvisioned with Nick Liberty. First off, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone who's continued to tune in and also a big welcome to anybody who's tuning in for the first time. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the show or if you are familiar with the show, please don't ever hesitate to reach out at politicaldivisionreenvisioned at gmail.com. That's the same spelling as the actual show, all one word, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from people out there. I'd love to have people get involved with the show. I'd love to even have some of you guys on the show, uh, maybe for a debate or just as a guest. Uh, so please don't ever hesitate to reach out. I, I'm really looking forward to receiving some uh, interaction with the audience out there. Um, also, big thank you to all my friends out there. I have a couple in uh, Nebraska and a couple in New York that have really been supporting the show and like listening in on every episode. So big, big shout out to them. I'd like to use their names, but I'll double check with them before I do that and uh, haven't gotten a chance to do that. Um, anyway, so this episode... I'm going to go a little bit more free form. This one's a little bit of a therapy session for me because it's very frustrating. And I'm sure some of you people out there are frustrated as well. Um, I want to get into like the cores of America and where we're kind of headed and why it's, it's really a terrifying thing to me. And it's something that I think that people need to focus on. I, again, as I've done in many of my other episodes, I, I feel that the people in power are giving us little distractions. They're like throwing us cookies to keep us, you know, off the ball. Well, the real problem is that it's nothing new. I'm not even saying this president or the last president or the president before that, but really like the last 20 years, they've been slowly degrading what America is and what the core of this country is and what we stand for. And it's really like I start to see it in my own job. And I'm sure that everybody realizes it when you're out there in the world and you, you see the news and the things that happen. So this episode's really going to be like kind of a, a general uh, recap of the Bill of Rights and how those rights at their very core are being infringed. So I'll, I'll start right off by just going through a couple of the big uh, you know, amendments in the Bill of Rights in case people are unfamiliar. I'm sure you guys know a couple of them, but maybe you're not as familiar with the other ones. So we'll get right into that in a second. So first off, I'm just going to read these right off the archives, um, right off archives.gov. You can find these. These are just transcripts of the actual documents. Um, so the First Amendment of the, of the Bill of Rights, Congress shall make no laws respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or of the right of the people to peacefully assemble, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Uh, Amendment 2, I'm sure people are more familiar with, uh, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. Now, those commas are very important in there, and you'll hear a lot of people misconstrue the Second Amendment. I'll, I'll get into that in a minute. Um, the, the third amendment kind of has fallen by the wayside. That's, you know, about quartering soldiers. That's not really something that happens anymore. Maybe if there was an attack on U S soil, that would become a concern, but probably not. So I'm just going to kind of skip that one. Um, the fourth amendment, this is another one of the really important ones, the right of the people to secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall be issued but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be seized. That one is, is the first strike that people have gone after. The first problem that we've seen that's kind of led into all of this other nonsense that absolutely 
I mean, if you have red, white, and blue in your blood, this one should really get you angry. Um, so just a, a preamble before I dive into the specifics on these and, and kind of go through what this episode's about. I, I just want to, again, clarify that this episode is not going to be like my usual formula so much. This one's going to be a little bit more of uh, venting, maybe a little bit of complaining. But also, I really hope that this can be a wake-up call to people out there to realize that what is being pushed on us is not what we're supposed to be dealing with. This is not acceptable. America is not living up to the, to the dream that it's supposed to be. And we're all sitting back and taking in creature comforts and letting everything fall apart around us. Um, so, you know, this, this episode isn't going to be so much about, uh, like, finding middle ground on common issues. This is more going to be issues that I, I don't think there's a lot of middle ground on, with the exception of the Second Amendment, because that one has some, you know, uh, there's some th concerns with that that I think are valid as I've gone through. And I think that there are some common sense restrictions. If you listen to my episode on, on guns, you'll understand what I mean by that. But there are some restrictions that are reasonable in my mind, as long as it doesn't infringe on people who you know are responsible gun owners. But especially with the Fourth and First Amendment, we are seeing strikes against those that I don't think our forefathers ever could have foreseen. I don't think they ever would have dreamed that their land of freedom would turn into what it's becoming and what it's going to continue to become unless we stand up and do something about it. So without further ado, I'm going to kind of, like I said, get into the brunt of the episode. I just wanted to start off by reading out what those amendments are in case anybody's unfamiliar. I'm sure you guys know those. And once you get past the Fourth Amendment, then you get into like particulars with uh, judicial and things like that. And I want to do a whole separate episode on that uh, at the advice of one of my listeners and good friends from New York. Uh, he suggested an episode on like the judicial system would be really good. So I, I want to do that separately when I have more time to do a little bit more research. This episode is a little bit more free form and just general grievances. So without further ado, I'll get into the brunt here. So I thought about going in order of the amendments, but I thought maybe it would be more logical to go in an order of historical timeline here. So I wanted to start off with the Fourth Amendment, even though that's a little odd. Um, and I wanted to say that I think that this whole attacking of basic rights kind of started right after 9-11 with the passing of the Patriot Act. And now, again, the Fourth Amendment is the right of people to secure their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures, shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause supported by an oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So after 9-11, the Patriot Act passed. And what that said was, oh, if we have a concern that there could possibly be terrorists within the United States, that gives us a free pass to track you, to monitor phone calls, to monitor, and, and later it got, you know, uh, expanded. I don't know if it was still under the Patriot Act, but we know with the NSA that certainly they could get into social media, they could track and follow and it's, it's insane because it's clearly outlined in the Bill of Rights that with personal information, with documents, with who you are, and as it pertains to the government, they have no reason to keep tabs on you unless they have a reasonable, probable cause and they have an oath or affirmation to prove that there is probable cause. So it's insane that it's been twisted so much all under the guise of fear 
that suddenly the Fourth Amendment doesn't matter. And, you know, because what you make a post on social media that is questionable, now you're open to investigation and that's considered probable cause. I mean, this is it's getting crazy when the government can can use the loosest terms of general fear and use that as a way to monitor its own citizens and completely avoid the judicial process. And then with what happened with um, with Mar-a-Lago and Trump, and I covered this in my episode, The Three uh, Letters and Lie, that was a gross, you know, overstep as well, because they're not properly serving those warrants. There was no due process. There, there was cooperation from lawyers that was ignored, and instead they vied for a full-on raid for political gain. This government has become completely radicalized, and they call the people radicalized. And that's both on the left and the right. And no matter what side you're on, the Washington establishment, if, if you question these things, they call you radical. The government is the one that has become radical. They are the ones who have ignored what is in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. And I, I haven't gotten into the Constitution on this episode. That'll probably be a whole other episode at some point. But I mean, just looking at the Bill of Rights, it's when, when they have free reign without any reasonable, you know, um, justification to just monitor you and to track in on you and listen to your phone calls and record you. It's, it's a gross misuse of power. And the only reason they can get away with it is because when the bill of rights was written, there was no computers, there was no Facebook, there was no Snapchat, no social media. Our forefathers did the best they could in this to outline that you have a right to privacy and security and for sharing information with whom you choose unless you have a legal warrant served under reasonable reasonable pretenses. I mean, that is what the, the Fourth Amendment says. It says that you have a right to security unless there is a reasonable and just um, circumstance in which you are a threat and you are going to infringe on somebody else's rights, and you are committing a crime. But they had no way to know that there would be this, this wealth of knowledge out there, that there would be this, this great connectivity that could be taken advantage of by higher powers. I'm sure that if that kind of technology had existed, if the Bill of Rights were written today by the same people, they would have said, uh, yeah, it goes for uh, you know technological communications as well. You can't just go in as a government entity, as an agency, as a branch, or as a um, e even as a subgroup of the government. Like even like the police, for example, is still a, a branch of the government. I mean, it's it's not directly, but it's funded. It's you know supported. Even they don't have the right to to monitor citizens or go in on your personal property or on your personal information without having a warrant. And thanks to the Patriot Act, because of the actions of a few terrorists, now the Fourth Amendment has been thrown out the window, and it's just opened this can of worms that has become even worse. And in the next segment here, and I could go on about this all day, there's a lot more information about it. I, maybe I'll do another episode about the NSA at some point, like I said, um, but I'll kind of leave it at that for now. It's just one of those things that I just want people to kind of realize that just because this has been normalized doesn't mean that it's acceptable and doesn't mean that it's legal or permissible. Just because the people in power can take advantage of that power to write their own rules doesn't mean that those rules fall under the, the greater blanket of being acceptable. I mean, this is just insanity. 
And when I get into what's happening now with the First Amendment and then later on with the Second Amendment, actually, no, I think I'm going to do the Second Amendment first because that one's quicker because I've already done an episode on it. Um, sorry if you guys heard my cat meow. Get out of there. Stop it. <laughs> if you guys heard me yelling at my cat there, I apologize. She was licking cheese off my plate. <laughs> I was going to cut that out, but you know what? I think I'm going to leave in the interaction with the cat. I think people might get a kick out of it. Um, if you guys don't like that, send me a comment. Let me know, and I'll remove bloopers like that. But I, I think that was kind of funny. But, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll go into the Second Amendment here. And basically, you know, after they started going after the Fourth Amendment, your right to personal privacy, your right to have um, reasonable action carried out against you in a lawful way, then the big thing became the guns. Then the school shootings came around. So terrorists became yesterday's news, and then it became school shootings and mass shootings. And now they're using these tragedies as a reason to take away the right to own a weapon. And in the amendment, again, I'll read it one more time, a well-regulated militia, comma, being necessary to the security of a free state, comma, the right of the people to keep and bear arms, comma, shall not be infringed. Now, I'm not a linguistics expert, but the way I understand that, that's making a list and then at the end saying all of these shall not be infringed. I mean, it, it goes without saying that a well-regulated militia would ha keep and bear arms. So why would they redundantly, like, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to downgrade from muskets to battle axes because you didn't specify that militia would be allowed to carry weapons? This argument that that the the Second Amendment only applies to militias is completely antiquated. It's nonsensical. It's people manipulating the truth. And it, I mean, read the amendment for yourself. Uh, you know, go do some research on it from unbiased sources. The Second Amendment was meant to protect all people. And militias were just groups of citizens anyway. So if you have two neighbors that own guns and you guys uh, coordinate to uh, have plans in case something bad ever happened, that's a militia. It's a small militia. But it's a militia. And I'm going to kind of touch on that whole idea as well in the First Amendment. But it's ridiculous that they use these terrible incidences. And don't get me wrong, mass shootings, especially school shootings. Well, I don't want to apply a, a, a weight to human life. All shootings of innocent people are sad and terrible, whether they're children or not. But there is a certain level of, uh, you know, extra evil that is involved with children being shot. But that being said, you, you, these tragedies, these awful things that terrible human beings that are out of control or sick or both do, do not justify the government or entities working with the government or agents within the government to say that you cannot have a way to protect yourself and your family. And if you get rid of the Second Amendment, there is no protection for these other rights. These other rights become nonsense. They become empty promises. The Second Amendment is right after freedom of speech because it's one of the most important things that this country has. It's one of the cores of American values. I don't, I don't know how people feel about guns. I know that there is this stigma about it. But at the end of the day, if we didn't have brave farmers that had guns – and were willing to fight and stand up for what they believed in, we would still be bowing to the crown. We would be speaking old English and we'd be under the thumb 
of the English monarchy to this day, and so would a lot of other countries. The American Revolution sparked a lot of other revolutions around the world. And that's not to say that it was totally us. Obviously, people were pissed at the British regardless. But when we stood up and we showed them that a smaller force could stand up to the crown, other places, other would-be countries got the same idea. It's not a stretch to say that if we didn't believe in defending what was right and doing something better for our citizens, that a lot of other places in the world would probably still be under British rule. They got reduced to an island the size of Michigan because people stood up to their nonsense. People said enough is enough. And when you, when you attack the Second Amendment, and I understand we're average citizens, if you're listening to this right now and saying, but I don't want people to get shot, I don't want people to be hurt, I, I understand Really, like I'm, I'm being 100% genuine right now. I'm not mad at you. I understand that you've been sold a certain reality, and it's hard to come to terms with the fact that that reality just isn't true. And please, please listen to my episode on guns. It's titled Guns, Young, Mental, and Influential. And you'll see where my deeper thoughts are on this issue. And I realize that it, it can be difficult to accept that evil exists and not like, you know, I don't know if people are religious out there or not. I have my own feelings about religion, but whether you believe in a religious evil or just evil in general, there are evil people out there who are going to do awful, terrible things. And if you take away one tool, they're just going to find another. I mean, we just saw a mass stabbing in Canada and I understand people think, okay, the guns are causing the issue. We got to get rid of the guns. I understand that, but you've been sold a false bill of goods you've been lied to. Guns are not causing this issue. Guns are the solution to this issue. You know what the common denominator in, in every single mass shooting is? One way or another, that situation is ended. That nightmare comes to a close when somebody else with a gun takes that person down. Maybe not 100% of the time, but probably 95% of the time. And, you know, sometimes the, the shooters kill themselves and everything else. But at the end of the day, you, you need to keep guns in the hands of the right people. And if you want to talk about shoring up the ways to remove them from the wrong people, totally here for the conversation, willing to, to hear all points of views and, and work together to, to meet common grounds. But again, I mean, this is a core tenement of American society, of freedom. If you don't have the Second Amendment like they're trying to take away now, you've got nothing else. You have, no, you have no card in the back of your pocket. You have no last escape. There is no, like, one more option if everything else goes down. If you give up the right of the people to keep and bear arms, you give up all other rights to, to the whims of whoever may be in, par in power. And I know certain people out there think, oh, well, that's okay if we just elect the right people. Sometimes you elect the wrong people. And I hate to bring it to this... Um, to this narrative because it's so overused and I'm not trying to say that anybody in the American government currently or formerly is Nazi-like. But Hitler didn't win by going out and saying he was going to, you know, murder a whole bunch of people that he didn't like. He won by manipulating people who were desperate or sad. They were war-torn by the First World War. They were down on their luck. They were out of money. Their economy was crashing. Their country was suffering. And he sold them a good, bright future. And it was not what he actually ended up doing. He told them that, you know, certain people within 
their country needed to be uh, controlled. They needed to be brought down because they were spreading disease, because they were dangerous. And it wasn't true, but when people heard it, they believed it. When they first were told... And by the time they realized that they had signed everything over, they'd basically given up their uh, power of attorney to a madman, it was too late. He already had a coalition so strong. We're not at that point right now. And, you know, hopefully that would never happen. But at the end of the day, you can't really know who you're electing or who you're putting in positions of power until they're in power. And once they're in power, if you don't have something to, to back yourself up, it's too little too late. And again, I don't think that's happening in America right now. I don't think we're anywhere near that point. But if you take away these fundamental rights, the Fourth Amendment, the Second Amendment, and again, I'll, again, I'll get into the First Amendment. I really want to do a long segment on that. This is going to be a longer episode. But when you take away those fundamental rights that give the people power, you end up in a position where anything can happen. And yeah, it might be good for eight years. Let's say that if you take away the Second Amendment, it really does work out in your favor. Mass shootings drop down to almost nothing. People all surrender their guns and the populace is totally unarmed and there's a great age of, of wonderful peace for eight years. And then whoever was president, now they're gone. Somebody else promising to make things even better steps up and they're a con man, they're a liar. They go full authoritarian. They turn the police, the military, the investigation branches totally against the people. And now you end up in a situation where you say, well, that was nice for eight years, but what do we do now? They're turned all against us. We have no power. We have no weapons. I mean, at that point, you have to either bow to the crown and hope somebody else steps in, like what happened with Germany. I mean, that's that's what happened in Germany. All the people that were decent citizens had to lay low and they tried to help out. They tried to harbor people as best they could until the SS found them. And they had to just hope that the rest of the world would step in. And the rest of the world was us and England. If that happened in America, there's nobody left to step in. The European Union does not have the strength they used to have. England is certainly not the world power they used to be. Who would come to our aid? Canada? England? We are the ones that step in when things get out of step. If we let that happen here, we're not only hurting America, we're not only bringing our core values down, we're putting the rest of the world in the position where the the saviors that step in when things get out of line are the ones that need saving. And we don't have that luxury. There is no other power like the United States. You can complain all you want about military, spun, uh, about military funding and spending kind of combine those into spending. But you can say whatever you want about military spending and military funding, but at the end of the day, that allows us to have that power at the end of the day. And some people say that that's a bad thing. But historically, when the U.S. has stepped in, we're the only ones, and I'm going to use the example of Japan, who have attacked in time of war and then stayed, but not stayed to take their resources and pillage them, we stayed to rebuild them. We made them a powerful force for good. And now Japan is seen as one of the, the greatest examples of the modern age. They came from nothing. When we when we dropped the atomic bombs and we devastated them in the war, which, you know, you can have your own feelings about that again. But at the end of the day, we were fully within our rights to just take, take, take whatever we wanted from Japan. And instead, we helped them rebuild. That's unheard of in human history. There has never been another example. When, when, a, when a country turns on the rest of the world and then other countries or other entities step in, 
they normally take what they can and then leave them to, to suffer and to recoup on their own. Largely throughout history, the U.S. has stepped in and done some pretty good things. And you can have your own feelings about recent history or about past history. But the, the end result is that when, again, when, when countries step out of line, when the world starts to get crazy and there's massive wars, the U.S. steps in and it ends up being one of the deciding factors. So, again, if, if we get to that point where we disarm ourselves, where we become that world threat, where somebody becomes powerful enough in America that's crazy enough, where they have ultimate control and the people have no way to stand up against it, have no powers of these, we're done for. And this all kind of leads into the First Amendment. And again, I'll probably recap a lot of that again after the First Amendment. But the First Amendment, as I'm sure you know, you've heard freedom of speech. But it's not just freedom of speech. I'm going to read it out one more time. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peacefully or of the people to peacefully assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, the First Amendment, commonly referred to just as freedom of speech, covers a whole lot more. It covers freedom of religion, as I said. It covers freedom of the press. It covers freedom of speech. This is possibly the, the greatest, I don't want to say weapon, because it's not a weapon. It's the greatest tool in the hands of the American populace. It is the, the greatest way that we have the ability to do what I'm doing right now, to get on a platform to speak to you, anybody out there who might be listening, and even if no one's listening, I still have the right to say it. I have the right to speak. You have a right to say terrible things that I would never support. And maybe you think some of the things that I say aren't right and you don't support them. But if we can at least agree that people have a right to say things, even if it's stupid, that's what American freedom is. That's what this country was built on. And some people exercise their freedom of speech a little bit too much, and I get sick of hearing it too when you hear people. But you know what? They have a right to do it, and I'm glad they do it. Sometimes I wish they would do it somewhere where I didn't have to listen to it, but, you know, you take the good with the bad. And I'll get into a personal example with the First Amendment and how it's being infringed and torn down in America. When I go, so my job, as I've mentioned before, I'm a political researcher. So I go to events of congressmen, congresswomen, senators, whoever, sometimes even members of the actual, like, administration, uh, I go to their events, I film them, on the way out I try to ask them some questions, I try to put them in the hot seat, ask them some questions they don't really want to answer, get their opinions, and then I write up reports on that information and it goes off. I have had countless events where I go to events that are known to the public, that are advertised online, that are supposedly open honest, you know, political events that the people have a right to be at. If there was any event that people have a right to be at, it would be political events. These are the people that are going to be running either your district, your town, your country, whatever it may be, whatever level. If you want to talk about freedom of the press, why is it that you now in America need a special pass printed out for that says press pass that's associated with a big conglomerate of, you know, large corporation or media company. There was no CNN or MSNBC or News 10 Now or whatever your local you know, news station is when the Bill of Rights was written. Freedom of the press meant anybody who wanted to film events, well, not film, document 
Now it would mean film. Back then it would mean, you know, newspapers, documentation, taking notes. But it's, it's not meant to be restricted. That's the whole point of freedom of the press. And the press is you, is me. If I go and record something and I post it online, I'm a form of press. I'm getting information to people that otherwise would not have access to it, which makes you a member of the press. That's what the press was. That's what a newspaper was. There was no organizations that dictated whether or not you were allowed. So the fact that when I go to some of these events and they say, oh, sorry, press only, and they tell me I can't come in because I don't have a press pass, that's an infringement of our rights. And you shouldn't even need to describe yourself as a member of the press to begin with because under the freedom of speech in general, if this is a public event and there are public officials speaking, members of the uh, – with you know capacity allowing and safety and you know fire exits and things like that, there are reasonable restrictions. But if there's room in that room and they have the ability to accommodate you, regular citizens should be allowed in. There should be no reason, especially if it's in a public place. Like I was supposed to cover an event with um, President Biden and I was not allowed in. And it's like, he's the president, he's speaking. I'm no threat. There's tons of security here. You know, I have no weapons. You're welcome to like, I even offer to like, you know, if, if, if cops start asking questions about why I'm there, what I'm doing, I say, I can turn out my pockets. I can show you, I have a camera. I have my keys. I have my wallet. That's it. So I understand taking precautions, especially something so high profile as the president. I understand that there are certain restrictions. If you're in a room that has a 50 person capacity and you have 40 attendees that are planning on being there that are confirmed, then yeah, you can let in like 10 people and no more. I get that. But if you're talking about somebody that's supposed to be your representative of whatever that may be on whatever level, you as a citizen, regardless of me doing my job, just if I was just interested, you should be allowed in. Why is it that now the freedom of the press and the freedom of speech has been restricted to speech and press that we like, that the people in power that are supposed to represent you get to choose? That's not how it works. That's not how freedom of speech works. It's not freedom of speech when it's convenient. It's freedom of speech, period. And again, yes, there are certain controls on free. Like, for example, you'll hear the common, well, you can't yell fire in a movie theater if there's not a fire. That's true. Yeah, because... That causes duress and it can cause injury and death and it's unreasonable. Yeah, there are certain restrictions that don't fall within protected speech. Yes. But that's not the same as saying, you know, that a freedom of the press is only applicable to massive conglomerates. That's the total opposite of what things were meant to be. And on top of that, when you talk about the First Amendment, let's let's go on to social media. They say that social media is like a a private company and they can do what they want, but yet they have pressures from the government. We know this for a fact. Zuckerberg just admitted not that long ago, I believe it was on, I think it was on Joe Rogan, he admitted the FBI put pressure on him to restrict certain posts, and and this was regarding Joe Biden and his son. I'm not going to get into that in this episode. That's for another day. The particulars don't really matter on that one. What does matter is that the head of Facebook admitted that pressure was put on them by a government entity to silence people. And if that's not disturbing to you, if that's not the the most crucial, I mean, if there's any issue right now in America that concerns you, it should be the media and the government having an incestuous relationship to crack down on freedom of speech. 
That is, in my opinion, beyond any foreign or domestic threat, beyond any mass shooting, abortion, any of the immigration, any of these other issues that I've done episodes on or talked about. The number one thing that concerns me is the government cracking down on freedom of speech and using, quote unquote, private companies to do it so that they can get away with it. They can say, oh, these are private platforms. They can do what they want. But yet those entities, those those corporations, those websites, those apps, they all still consider themselves, you know, under certain laws like Section 230, they consider themselves private entities and, you know, it's a public forum. So we don't have to, you know, adhere to certain things. But on the other side of that, they take orders from the government and from branches of government, and they can shut down and silence whoever they want. That's not what America is about. That's not what freedom of speech is about. That's the total opposite of what we're built on. And if we continue down this path, you will have no say. You will have no right to say what you want. You will have no right to protect yourself if you do say what you want. And you'll have no right to protect your personal freedoms and your personal you know, possessions and yourself. You'll have no right to privacy. These are the three biggest things that make America what it is. The First Amendment, the Second Amendment, and the Fourth Amendment. All the other ones are really important too, especially when you get into like prosecution. And again, I'll get into that in the judicial episode. But if you take away these, we end up in a very bad situation. And particularly with the First Amendment, Facebook, social media, Twitter, these have a major sway in the direction and the energy of the country, both politically, personally, how people act, how they conduct business, how they communicate with each other. This has become the main platform. This is, this is I mean, this is the new town square. Who goes and uh, stands on a soapbox and listens to people, you know, yell in the, in the common, you know, main street? Even if you did, what, are you going to reach a couple hundred people a day? Whereas if you're famous and you're followed and you put out a, a two-sentence tweet, millions of people are going to read that every day. And when you decide who gets to be seen and who doesn't, that's no better than throwing those people in jail like they used to do with political opposition. Okay, well, it's a little bit better. I'm being a little exaggeratory. It's, it's better than actually physically punishing people. But it's fundamentally not all that different in its effect. And, you know, again... And I'm not just saying my ideas or the people I support. I'm saying all of it. I'm not a big, uh, you know, anarchist fan. But if an anarchist wants to go and peacefully talk about their beliefs and how they think things need to change, as long as they don't actually call for anarchy and violence, they have a right to do it. I'm not a big fan of communists and socialists. If they want to talk about solutions and they want to talk about things that they want to do or that they think that we should do, I may not agree with them, but they have a right to do it. This goes for everyone. That is the beauty of the First Amendment in America. That's the beauty of all these amendments. If you are a United States citizen, if you are qualified under those Bill of Rights and that Constitution, that's you. It applies to you, whoever you are, whatever color you are, whatever uh, ethnicity you are, wherever you were raised, whatever economic group, whatever political affiliation, you name it. That's you. The only way that that is no longer you with certain things is if you are convicted of a very serious crime and then you, you know, you violated other rules. So now the rules change a little bit. But generally speaking, if you're listening to this, it's you. And if some of my worldwide viewers are listening, I got a couple of viewers in Yemen and uh, I had like one view in Russia and some other random countries, France and Spain. Um, if you guys are listening, my sympathies. 
you know, I, I know that like those places all throughout the world have a lot to offer and they're awesome. They have their own cultures and it's beautiful. And like the landmarks are all totally different, but you guys don't really have what we have in Russia. You can't say what you want in China. You can't say what you want. I mean, you can, but you're going to pay dearly for it. And we're heading in that direction right now. It's not at that level, just like with the fourth amendment, it's not at the level where it's too late, just like the second amendment where it's too late. But the trend is there right now. People in power and people seeking power are talking about removing your basic fundamental rights. And instead of having discussions with the people and letting the people stand up for themselves, they're afraid of that. And now they want to take away your ability to ever be a threat to them. And that's not to say this is by no means calling to any kind of violence or calling to any sort of, you know, physical action, but it's just to say, wake up and stand up for yourself. Realize that what we do matters and that if we are silent now, we curse generations, not only of just Americans, like I said, in the, in the second sort of segment there, but we can curse the entire world. We can end up in a situation where we send shockwaves throughout where when something bad happens, if China makes a move on Taiwan, for example, we don't have the power to stand up. We're fighting an internal battle, and now you're on your own. And then who knows? China, Russia, whoever it may be, they become the next world superpower, and they start ruling with an iron fist, killing their neighbors, moving through a war path, just like Hitler did in World War II. And if we're infighting, and worse, if we're part of the wrong side, who's going to step up? What, the European Union? NATO? Well, there is no NATO if the U.S. is gone. <laughs> the U.N., they haven't really stepped in and done anything other than talk and argue. So who steps up when everything goes bad if the United States doesn't have its fundamental purpose? So what I'm saying is, you know, even if you're, you know, outside of the United States, you need to call for the preservation of American freedom, too, because at the end of the day, you look back at history, if you're living in a European country, there's a good chance you'd be speaking German right now if the United States hadn't stepped in. And if you're in Germany, well, there's a good chance you'd still be speaking German, but you'd probably be in a lot worse of a situation under a really awful situational government that you would not be happy with. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things. And again, this episode was a little bit ranty and it ran on really long. I doubt that anybody will even make it to the end of this. But if you did, I really appreciate it. I really had to like just do a segment on this because it really does bother me every day when I see people willingly giving up their rights, people willingly being silent, people willingly stepping away because it's going to cause a stir because they don't want to be on the wrong side of an argument. And I get that. I understand that it can be uncomfortable. But if you don't stand up now, you won't have the chance to stand up. If you don't start demanding that the rights that you have be preserved now, there will be no rights left to preserve. And there will be no one left who wants to preserve them. We are in a we're, we're not in that situation yet. You know, if if the authoritarian control uh, comes at stage three, we're at stage like two. But why would we want to progress in that direction? Let's get back to stage one where we're so far from that that it's not even feasible that someone could take advantage. So anyway, this episode was really just a, uh, a call to thought, uh, a reach out to people out there to say, you know, 
change the channel on the news station once in a while. If you listen to the left, check out the right. If you listen to the right, check out the left. Give a little bit of, of empathy to the people that might be buying the lies, like I mentioned before. Don't be mad at your neighbors. Be mad at the people who have, have convinced your neighbors that you are the problem or vice versa. We are not the enemies, the American people. The people that have different beliefs than you are not the enemies. The people that are in the main establishment, not necessarily your, your outer you know, grassroots candidates, but the establishments in Washington, D.C., they are the enemies of the people. They are the ones who have been passing underhanded laws, been lying to the American people, even been lying to the members of Congress and Senate and convincing them that what they're doing is the right thing for fear of backlash. They've weaponized the American people against themselves and against their representatives. I mean, it's at the point now where it's like if you have a certain bill in Congress or the Senate and they put a good enough name on it, like the Inflation Reduction Act, and you're somebody who doesn't sign on with that, well, why didn't you want to reduce inflation? Never mind all of the stipulations that are in that bill. They can get you on that soundbite that says, why did you not support reducing inflation for Americans, for your constituents? They've weaponized you against the people that would do well. And that is a tragedy in and of itself. The Patriot Act, if people knew what was actually in it, I very seriously doubt would have ever gotten to where it got. If people knew what the NSA was doing, I don't think that ever would have gotten to where it got. It's one of those things where when power goes unchecked and those people in power use that to exert even more power and to prevent you from saying anything that contradicts them, that's how you end up in a really bad situation. And I pray, I, I beg people out there to just question it. Don't do anything terrible. Don't do anything violent. Don't hurt anybody. But speak out. Speak your mind. Even if, you, even if what you say isn't something that I like, speak up. Be heard. At least find that these core values, even if you disagree on the Second Amendment, at least the First and Fourth Amendment, the right to speech and the right to privacy, I think that's something that everybody can agree on. If you can't find anything else to agree on, speak with your neighbors and your friends about that. Speak with them about their freedom of speech and how important it is dissenting opinions are very important to the process that we have. So I've run on far too long. So I'll, I'll start to close out this episode officially now. So I thank everybody for listening and I'll probably, you know, as I always say, there's always more to be said and I can go on for a long time, but I really appreciate everybody listening. I really appreciate all the first time viewers, all the returning viewers. You guys are champions uh, all my, I have really gotten tons of views in New York and California and Nebraska and it, in Kentucky. It just, it means a lot to me whenever I see new views and whoever you are, please keep tuning in. Please provide feedback. Again, you can reach me at political division, re-envisioned, just like the name of the podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's exactly the same name of the podcast at gmail.com. And I really encourage people to reach out and provide feedback and please like, subscribe, uh, comment, do whatever you can on whatever platform you're listening. And if you really want to get the full experience and be able to provide direct feedback, listen in on Podbean because that's my hosting platform. But regardless of where you listen to or who you are or what you do or how you feel about this, I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. This has been Political Division Reenvisioned with Nick Liberty. And I hope you tune in next time. Bye, everybody.